Well, hello there and welcome back to the Book Crossed Lovers, your book lovers podcast by two lovers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Megan. And today's episode is season one, episode seven mm-hmm. of Throne of Glass. We're going to be going through chapters 31 through 36. And excited to do so. Yeah, absolutely. We're halfway through or over halfway through, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I think we were talking earlier today about what we have left as far as recording and I was looking at the last, I was, well, I was wanting to make this season with Throne of Glass like kind of a round number and have 10 episodes, but the 10th episode would be like very, very long. So we're going to do 11 episodes. Very good executive decision. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, the the number of episodes, it makes sense to have that kind of classic yeah. 10, but there already have been a couple of episodes where there are an odd number of chapters or it just, it, it covers a lot of ground in the book where you could actually have an episode on two or three chapters or something in it, and it feel full. Right. Just in, in that sense. And then it's also different. You know this about me, but I like to keep it fresh in my mind. Yeah. When when uh, about to record, mm-hmm. and so I've been caught in a hard place because I want to read on. Yeah. This is a reread, yes, for me, but I want to read on because I want to like finish the book, right, and finish the reread. There are other things that come to light or come to life when you do the reread. Yeah, absolutely. Things that that you just kind of you knew they happened, but there are maybe a little bit of like exposition and you just mm-hmm. didn't necessarily hang on to it because it's not part of the major plot. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I haven't really been reading anything else other than this as far as leisure reading. Yeah. And so I've been like, well, what I am know. I going to do? And we've got lots going on. Like our lives as educators are really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Crescent City 3 just came out. Yeah. <laughs> I almost did this this episode solo. Yeah, honestly. I threw it out there a couple of times just to see if it would actually uh, <laughs> get any traction. I know. Um, and I typically am one to like read through books very quickly. I'm a fast reader in general. Um, but I had to stop. I don't know. I feel kind of this like... I feel like you judge me a little bit if we have like quote unquote homework reading to do for yeah. the podcast and then I'm reading something else. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, that is, that's that good. is actual judgment <laughs> because yes, we do have reading. Today. Uh, I know, but Crescent City 3. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, I, I think that there's a little bit of you selfishness too because it's not only crescent city three but you're also depriving me of the second book of the series you're right as long as this takes i don't get to read the second book so it's kind of a double whammy but anyways we're we're excited to continue (laughs) and just finish out throne of glass and um well close out some storylines and some plot lines probably open some new ones given how long the series is Mm -hmm. um in terms of additional books and things but absolutely it'll be good so shall Mm. we yeah let's do it 
Um, all right, so we're in chapter 31. My summary is Selena is visited yet again in the middle of the night and receives assistance in the next test. Nice. I, I titled this chapter The Inside Job. Oh, it's good. So Clever. Here, we, here we have it. Yeah, so this chapter opens up with Selena um, being asleep and somebody she just like feels at the edge of her bed and she wakes up and it's actually Elena in her like ghost form or non-ghost form, whatever she is. And um, basically Elena is there for the sole purpose of reminding her, yeah, hey, you need to win the competition. And Selena's like, I know. <laughs> yeah, and so, <laughs> like she, that's my in goal. The, in their first I'm doing kind of that. encounter, they talked about like you need to find and destroy the evil in the yeah. castle. Here in this, uh, the secondary visit, she kind of clarifies a little bit that that entails winning this competition. Like right. you need to become the king's champion. Which that's what may re- end up revealing the evil in the castle or whatever. But mm-hmm. she's very clear on you must win this competition. Right. So Selena is like, yeah, I know that. Um, and if you could just tell me more about what this evil thing is and whatever, like it would make it a lot easier. And this was weird. Elena says that she knows as little as Selena does about the evil. But I just don't know if I buy that, to be honest. That's all. That's my thought. Okay. Do you have a thought on that? As far as what I even know in this book, because that needs to be spoiler free from, from my vantage point. Like Yeah. I don't I don't really know if I'm buying that either. Yeah. But just perhaps there's more at work. Than, than even she is aware of, or mm-hmm. Elena, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, my, my knowledge is limited to the end of this story. Right. In, you know, the next couple of hundred pages. But, yeah, I don't know. It, she she definitely deflects. At the very least, she deflects. Mm-hmm. But then gives Selena this very, well, fortuitous piece of advice. Yeah. Um, she says, look to your right. You'll find answers there. And Selena... Which that could mean like anything. Yeah. Um, but she like at, in that moment looks to her right and there's nothing but the tapestry and she looks back and Elena's gone. Yeah. She's like, okay, thanks for all yeah, your help. And, and it's <laughs> like, yeah, okay, so do you mean I need to go back to the, the tunnels mm-hmm. and I'll find answers there? You know, yeah. is it double meaning, triple meaning, yeah. is it whatever, but that could mean anything. So um, then the next section opens in the middle of the test. Um, So this next test is um, identifying poisons and the strength and severity of those poisons. And I guess their main goal is to put them in order from least harmful to most harmful. Mm -hmm. I think this is a great competition. Oh, yeah. With with. The champions, this definitely falls in like the lane of the assassins. Yeah. And the the assassins that are remaining should have an upper hand in this, or they should. Right. Because of, of just experience with poisons. But, and they were even like mentioned at the beginning. There was like one or two different assassins that were like, yeah, I'm, I'm strong in poisons, mm-hmm. which kind of gets mocked by some of the 
the more right that was with mercenary. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, with Pelor, and some of the, the like the mercenary or soldier like people mm-hmm. think that's kind of weak. Um, but anyways, I think this is a, a cool competition to have or a test. Yeah, and then the final test with this, like Brillo is making them drink the poison, quote unquote, the goblet that they think is the least harmful, which is also like, you gotta be sure of what you're doing. And they did have like antidotes on hand, but still that's like pretty risky. And and they just don't know. Is it, is it, well, it looks like wine. It smells Mm -hmm. like wine. Is it really wine? Yeah. It looks like water. Yeah. Kind of doesn't have a smell. Is it, is it really water? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Right. So it's a good twist. Yeah. And so, yeah, Selena's going through kind of that, questioning that you just went through and trying to figure out her goblets. There are seven different ones that they have to place. Um, and ultimately like she looks around the room with three minutes left, two minutes left, and she's trying to determine the last two. And lo and behold, she looks to her right and there is Pelor and just like you mentioned, like Pelor is, he has, he has great experience in poisons. And so he is like done at his table looking at Selena and kind of trying to hint to her which goblet is the lead, like which, where the goblets that she has left go. And he ended up, ends up helping her, um, in the end and Brulo, like, calls for time and they it goes through all of the different people who are left that are notable like Kane and Knox um they both have some sort of issue with mm. the drink that they put in the least harmful and have to take an antidote etc but Selena and Pelor both got it perfectly correct so they're the winners um which is good so it seems like Elena's advice advice, yeah, tip. is was like right on track for the next day. Yeah. With so the I test. Don't, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. Like weird. I, I mean, Elena could have honestly been saying, like, you're gonna find more answers down in the tunnels. You need to look to the right, check out the tapestry. Like maybe there's something in the tapestry that you need to see that's like a big picture thing. Yeah. Or maybe you need to go back down to the tunnels and find answers there. Or it had a double meaning in this sense, like look to your right and Pelor is going to help you. But that would mean that she has to have been privy to like what the challenges will be. Mm-hmm. She's snooping and spying on other people in the castle because it's been pretty under wraps right. as far as like what these tests are going to be and everything and had to know like Pelor is going to be to her right or she's like some kind of time traveler. And like has been <laughs> forward and now backwards. But if that was the case, she would know, she about, would the know evil. about the evils. Yeah. So yeah, there's, I don't want to overthink it because yeah, I don't want to poke holes in too many things or mm-hmm. whatever, but maybe, you know, maybe Selena got lucky Yeah. and she was like, I'm just going to look to my right Yeah. and it's going to be Pelor, which wouldn't have been a bad hint. Yeah. Anyway, or a bad strategy, even if he had been to the left. Because right. knowing your competition and be like, oh, that guy mm-hmm. was the the potions guy. He was the poisons guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I do like that she included some of the different 
names mm-hmm. of the poison. She didn't just say, oh, well, this oh, poison yeah. A, poison B, blah, blah, blah. It was like Monk's Hood and Bloodbane and right. whatever. Um, just Hemlock. Yeah, that there was just some, like, gr- did some depth there yeah. as far as what they were actually consuming and having to sort out. But sure. there you go. So that means, I think it it talks about um, there were 13 remaining competitors going into it. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever gets the order the most wrong goes home. So Mm -hmm. there's like a dozen left as this test uh, gets finalized. And so it's getting down to it. That's half, right? Yep. Because they started with 24. So we're getting down, getting down to it. Yeah. So that leads us into chapter 32. Um, Also, I just had a question on the macro side of things okay. outside of the world. Sure. Is it said like, so she cheated just a little, but she'd won. Right. And she gets this helping hand mm-hmm. inside job is what I had entitled it. Even though, did she really know yeah. Pillar was going to be Who there knows? or what the test was going to be? Um, but like, she seems like pretty okay with it. Like she moved on. Are you okay with cheating just a little? If like nobody knows about it. <laughs> Um, it depends on, I think, the stakes. Is there such a thing as cheating just a little? I mean, it just it's, it's just cheating. It cheating, a lot, cheating a little? It's cheating. Um, her stakes are so high that I would say that that is okay. Justifiable. Because she's gonna go, she's gonna die if she doesn't win. <laughs> okay, that's true. I mean, we're educators, so we deal with cheating just a little and cheating just a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I think think a a human has to have integrity in what they're doing. And that's how, I mean, I know we both live our lives that way. Um, To be held accountable for it, I think it just depends on the stakes. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was a teacher for like an English teacher, it, guys, if you're a student listening to this, it's so obvious to teachers when you cheat. It's just de- depending on like, are they wanting to fight that battle with you in that moment, whether you quote unquote get caught or not. Um, you know, if it was a homework, meh. I don't really care that much. But if it's a test or an essay and that's like higher stakes with the grade percentage, I will keep them more accountable for it. Sure. And then yeah, I, and I, I don't, don't want to stir it up too much. I just thought it was an interesting little deal because they make light of the tiny little ethical thing going on with yeah. the cheating versus not. And her stakes are high. You you could die of a poison. Yeah. You could die by going home or being forced back to Endovier. Right. I, so I get that. And so there's like, is there a lesser evil? Is there a greater evil? I mean, she's an you assassin, know, sort of so her morality isn't the same anyway. Right. But I, <laughs> but morality has come up Yeah. in this book quite a bit. And I think we'll continue to do so mm-hmm. because these people were enemies. Yeah. Like mortal enemies. Yeah. And she's killed... People in in Adderland, mm-hmm. in Rifthold, and all that, and now you have this, you know, conquering state, and you have Nehemia is here, and she's like a a princess hostage guest, whatever you want to call her. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, the ethical things are 
are woven into the story. And I think in this specific instance, she's dealing with like criminals. Yeah. Or her competition, largely speaking. Yeah. And she's already seen them try to cheat to win. Right. Um, and be cheap with things. Like, you know, you go back to like the rock climbing competition mm-hmm. and, you know. And there they, weren't yeah. necessarily like rules against right. cheap shots like yeah. that. So anyways, it wasn't to overanalyze it or whatever. I just thought yeah. I, would, I would ask it. The other question we already exposed was how in the world does Elena know what's going on? Yeah. Or was her, was it an unintended double meaning when she said, look to your right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. Chapter 31. Thank you. All right, 32. Um, my summary here, Nehemia and Selena find their way to the kennels, and Selena has an unnerving interaction with Kane. Nice. You ready? Am I? I don't know. Yeah. This is kind of a stupid, but I think it's so fitting <laughs> chapter title for chapter 32. Okay. Here a purr, there a purr, everywhere a purr, purr. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. The, the word purr is used twice in this not so long of a chapter. Purr, like P-U-R-R. P-U-R-R-E-D, purred. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you ever purred at a person? Because Dorian I don't purrs, and so does Selena in this chapter. It I cannot not wait. Lost on me. I cannot wait, and you don't know this yet. Um, well, but I suppose when I can't know, no, it's fine. It's just the way that SJM and probably other fantasy authors like write men, and the way that they are speaking, they they will like say he growled. Or something. Yikes. Kale, <laughs> Kale has growled. Yeah. I think a little bit in this. Yeah. So it's just like, what does that mean? Maybe it means like Geralt of Rivia. That is exactly growled. what I thought. Yes. Siri. Yeah. <laughs> but he apparently doesn't growl. He, he purrs. purrs. Yeah. So we'll see. Silky voice. I did not catch that. But yeah, I caught both of them. I'm sure you did. Okay. Um. So... With chapter 32, um, we get the sense that Nehemia and Selena will, are just continuing to like build their relationship, um, that they have these daily interactions, whether it's a walk or they're doing these language lessons, um, Nehemia helping Selena with Ilway and Selena helping Nehemia with the common tongue, um, and this chapter, they're on a walk and they're kind of walking through the castle grounds talking about different things. Um, and Nehemia, I don't know, she just notices that Selena is quiet mm-hmm. and um, she kind of brings that up like, are you okay? You know what? You can talk to me. I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. And Selena is quiet for a good reason. Like she has all of this anxiety with the murders, like targeting the competitors or the murderer is targeting competitors and she doesn't know anything about that. Right. She obviously has the weight of the whole competition on her shoulders and knowing if she goes home, like she, or she's, if she doesn't win, she's going back to Endovir and will probably die. Um, 
And then on top of all of that, Elena's like whole thing where you have to find the evil, you have to win. So she's got a lot going on, I think, for a young girl. And um, anyway, she's just quiet. And she's not Selena, right? She's Lillian. Right. And so she's having to maintain this whole other persona with Nehemia while realizing I'm building this really nice relationship. Mm -hmm. Selena is realizing that she really likes the companionship. Yeah. And some of their inner, some of their dialogue gives the reader that understanding Mm -hmm. is that she really appreciates Nehemia. She really likes her. But she can't even be honest about who she is right now. Right. Um, but she wants you, you can you're you're getting this sense that she wants to be honest with Nehemia and she's wanting Nehemia to be honest with her about her stuff and her right. baggage and all this stuff. And I I do think it's worth like pulling some of that out because she's Nehemia tells her, like, I sense much worry in you mm-hmm. and I hear much that you do not say. You never voice any of your troubles, though your eyes betray them. So she's she's like, I can see that there is more going on with you than you let on, mm-hmm. even though you're feisty and colorful and all this stuff. There's things going on. But then in the the exposition of Selena's thought, she's like, she's got this door and she's got she's like, I can't, I gotta keep this closed. Mm-hmm. But she wants to open it and she says with sincerity, like you're a true friend, despite her kind of protective psychology mm-hmm. saying, I can't let her in. There's yeah. something in her memory that she's suppressing right. and doesn't want to let somebody in. And I just wrote on this page, like my only note besides underlining things was just like, Nehemia is sensing like there's an identity problem right. with Lillian and it, she's frustrated by it. Mm-hmm. And I think in this chapter, but also over the next couple, mm-hmm. it kind of comes to a point where where it's like, I want the truth from you. Right. And I mean, when you're like building a friendship, that is justifiable. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be truthful course, yeah, and you want to demand trust truth The trust is the currency others. of the relationship. Sure. So anyways, so... Um, Nehemia invites her to the court because Queen Georgina has um, invited Nehemia to go like watch this musical troupe or whatever. And of course, Selena has to say, I can't go. And Nehemia is like, you never can go. It's like these people are afraid of you. And Selena kind of just puts it off like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're so silly. <laughs> um, anyways, so then... Selena kind of gets her grounding and is like, I've never been to this part of the castle. Where are we? And Nehemia kind of guided them towards the kennels, um, which again, Selena's never been to. So they go in and it smells like dog, of course. And who do they run into? Not a dog. No, but Dorian. A purring Dorian in the yard. Why? Oh, Hello there, there, Lady Lillian. He purred. Ooh, I did underline that, so I don't know. Yeah, I just what a guy. Yeah. Um. So they they go kind of back and forth. There's puppies. Um. And Dorian had mentioned to Selena earlier that 
one of his dogs was pregnant and he was hoping that it was purebred. Ended up, these puppies are not, and they'll just be, I guess, given away as pets. Um, but Selena notices one in the corner that is larger than all the others, a silky, silvery gold, and just like not really interacting with any other dogs or any of them. And Dorian's like, it's just has a foul disposition. If it doesn't figure it out, we're going to have to put it down. And Selena demands that he not do that. Yeah. I wonder if she finds like some kindred spirit with it, with the animal. Yeah, maybe. Because she's like, it looks like it's, you know, been abused or that it's afraid it needs its mother, like right. something that she, she has like have empathy and she's been for abused it and mm-hmm. whatever. And, and then finally he's like, Whoa, like what's a dog's life to me? Like I will not have it killed. Yeah. Like we can find a family for it if it yeah. doesn't work out. Yeah. And at, and then that kind of cools her jets. And she's yeah. like, okay, you would do that for me. Right. He's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is sweet. Um, and, but they're kind of bantering back and forth as they do. And Nehemia, it says, just watch them from the floor with her brows raised. Like she sees their interactions Mm -hmm. and their chemistry together. And I'm sure she's thinking to herself, like, okay, there's something something there. (laughs) And I also was just curious because she's obviously, I don't know. It was implied that Nehemia has been here before. Like she knows her way around. Yeah. And so it made me kind of think like, oh, Dorian and and Nehemia have some kind of functioning relationship outside of what we've seen Mm -hmm. when Selena is present because we haven't had like a POV where Dorian is just talking with Nehemia. Right. Right. We've had that where he's discussing something with Kale or where he was in the court with his mom, Mm -hmm. but we haven't had Dorian and Nehemia. Mm -hmm. And so she is a royal guest. And so that makes sense that they would have some overlapping interactions. Right. Um, but I guess it, it is kind of implied like they have been in the same space together, especially if they're somewhere mm-hmm. like here. Like this is a setting that is not accidental. You have to intentionally go to the kennels. Right. So anyways, I just didn't know. Okay. What are they cooking up? Yeah. Maybe not romantically, but even just no. politically. Yeah. Because they are political players. Right. Um, as heirs to their respective states or kingdoms. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Selena and Nehemia make their departure. Um, Dorian says he's going to stay with the puppies. And he says, perhaps I'll see you later tonight. And Selena says, if you're lucky, she purred. There you go. So they both, they purring at each other. They're so purring at each other. <laughs> and Nehemi is like, holy meow. Like. <laughs> that was good. Uh, yes. But she really does. She's like, um, you guys have a connection. And Selena just says, I just enjoy teasing him. And Nehemia doesn't like let off the gas. She like keeps pushing at her. And it said, she says, he seems to take great interest in you. And then Selena just kind of turns on that. And she says, it says Selena's head whipped around her eyes full of long forgotten fury that made her belly ache and twist. I would sooner cut out my own heart than love a Havilliard, she snarled. 
Yeah, she just struck a nerve, Nehemiah did. Yeah, but like, where does that come from? Because we know... From a long forgotten hatred. Well, I guess, but we just, we know that her and Dorian do have an attraction for one another. Mm -hmm. And we know that like, she doesn't hate Dorian. Mm -hmm. So... I think I don't it's, know. it's I just think interesting. It's when somebody else on the outside of their relationship is pointing it out, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing, maybe for her, because yeah. she because knows of who she is. She I is guess. not Lillian G. Gordana or whatever her name is. Right. To her, she's I am Selena Sardothian. Mm-hmm. I hate these people. Yeah. Look what they did to my people. Yeah. And so she's like, I couldn't. She's cannot come to terms or reconcile that idea that she could love a Havillard, whoever mm-hmm. it is. And so if she's playing the lady of the court, then maybe she could just go along with it maybe. Yeah. And, and how she's having to juggle these personalities. But I think when she's true, truly being kind of pushed towards it, I think it's kind of embarrassing for her. Mm. And so she gets like this righteous indignation against it. Um, but it's oftentimes the things that are going to get you hot and bothered that are actually like important to you anyways. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I kind of see right through this to be honest with you, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Nehemia drops it and ultimately goes to her own quarters. And then on Selena's way back to her rooms, she's in the hallway and, she had like stopped, I think, at a window looking outside. Um, and Kane comes up behind her. Yeah, it's a bizarre ending to this chapter. Yeah, and it's like he's like in this weird state. So typically when we've seen Kane interacting with Selena, he's like super haughty and arrogant. Yeah, alpha male. Yeah. Um, kind of poking at her. But he's like, I'm just gonna read it. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Um, his mouth was opening and closing like a fish wrenched from water. His dark eyes were wide. He had a hand around his enormous throat. He glanced from side to side at the guards, at the window, before his eyes snapped to hers. His grip on his throat tightened as if to silence the words that fought to come out. An ebony ring on his finger gleamed dully. Even though it should have been impossible, he seemed to have packed on an additional 10 pounds of muscle in the past few days. In fact, every time she saw him, came seemed to get bigger. And then she kind of like tries to get his attention, says his name, and he took off down the hall like a jackrabbit faster than he should have had any ability to run. So it's just like really weird. Like, yeah, and what's even her going on? are confused and murmuring to each other. Yeah. And that is an absolutely bizarre thing. Is Kane in control of himself? Doesn't seem like it. You know, like, yeah. is he choking? Is he under the influence of some drug? Is he having some weird, like, hangover from the Belladonna that he took? Like, yeah. what the heck is going on? But it also seems like there's something beyond just natural right. going on with him. It's not human. Yeah, He's acting... Like I described, he's opening and closing his mouth. His eyes are darting. He's looks unnaturally big. This ebony ring is glowing. Like, yeah, something is going on. Mm-hmm. And you get no answers. He just bolts out of there like crazy. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, you'd think like, man, these guards that are responsible for her safety and also the safety of the people in the castle would go report to the captain of the guard and be like, this was freaky. Yeah. Something needs to be done. Yeah. Like Duke Parrington's champion, like we thought he was going to just keel over and die. Yeah. Somebody should check that guy out. (laughs) Maybe they don't care about him. I don't, I would care. I'd be like, dude, I that know, guy looks do. like a freak, like a, <laughs> de- like a demon or something. Like, please go check this guy out. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Selena is like, yeah, that's weird. And then she sent a message to both Knox and Pelor to not leave their rooms that night. Yep. So she had some bad feeling. And so she reached out to her allies in the competition to keep them safe. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's there the end go, of chapter, chapter 32. 32. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Let's roll on to chapter 33, which is informational. Yeah. And it's it's got some impact. It is. It's short. Yeah, it's short. It is short. Um, You want to go summary? Yeah. My summary is Caltain is still the worst and still scheming. (laughs) And Hemia brings devastating news to Selena. Yeah. I had a couple of different chapter titles for this one. Okay. One was... Can we not but say we did because <laughs> of Caltaine? Gosh, she's but the worst. in the end, I took a more serious approach. Oh. The title of chapter 33 is Evil and Its Masks. Mm. There you go. Um, all right. Well, we kind of joked about how long it takes us to get through like reading the homework for our podcast, right? And I think I got stuck because this chapter begins in Caltaine's point of view. And I just don't like reading her point of view. But it's okay. We'll get through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so she's like smoking opium and in a daze, basically. And um, Duke Parrington had come to check in on her, I guess. And, um, she's kind of like loopy. It seems a little bit very much still under the influence mm-hmm. of the opium. She even like owns up to, oh, I'm absent minded right now. Yeah. yeah she's definitely I want you here, sorts. but I can't really focus because I haven't been feeling well. And um, he seems kind of accommodating. Yeah. He's like, yeah, lady, I do, like, can I get you anything? Can right. I get you a drink of water? Should I leave? Yeah. And she's just, yeah, I'm just kind of indisposed. I'm sorry, but please stay. Yeah. Um, and then they start talking about Dorian and it seems like Parrington is like baiting her a little bit. Uh, yeah, like I it would... seems like he knows her ambitions towards Dorian because it's, it says like, um, I wouldn't call you absent minded lady Caltaine. He said, you're one of the cleverest women I've met. His highness told me the same thing yesterday. And it's like, we know that Dorian would never say that about Caltaine. Yeah. And why else would Duke Parrington say that? The unless he might say something that's stupid. Yeah. Because we heard her say something kind of yeah. stupid. Yeah. But not Dorian. No. And so I think that Parrington is just like taking Caltaine's ambitions and using that against her. To maybe like get her talking about stuff so maybe he can like deep dive a little bit into what she might know as a lady of the court. She like has more access to gossip or whatever. 
I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, and if it comes to gossip, yeah, Lady Caltaine's your yeah. gal. Yeah. She'll just sink her teeth into that. I know. So he's not. Um, he's not wrong where that's in, mm-hmm. where that is. But um, then they bring up Lady Lillian um, being around the prince and how she's like gotten Dorian's affections, mm-hmm. basically. And, um, despite being disreputable, I know, which they're kind of conjuring up out of thin air. Well, I think Caltain is conjuring that up. Yeah. Like, but then Parrington's like, how do you know she's disreputable? Like he, and he obviously knows who Lillian actually is. Her true background. Yes. Right. So he's like, well, what do you know about her? And she's like, well, I don't actually know anything. It's just, I've heard that. And anyways, it's kind of stupid. Yeah, she's just full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> like you make an allegation and say, well, I actually haven't heard it from anybody. Yeah. I literally just pulled that out of my rear. <laughs> like, what? Uh, anyways. So then we end her point of view, basically just her identifying. She must do whatever was necessary to save the crown and her future. So she's going to do whatever it takes to like Like, get ahead. What kind of ambition is this? You think you're saving something with your desperate moves? Yeah. Like this is delusion. Yeah. Under the influence delusion. You think you're going to save somebody being an addict? Yeah. And a desperate, manipulative, conniving, backstabbing, gossiping piece of garbage? <laughs> like to try to win your way to the crown? Like this person is horrible. I know. I know. And they believe it. Whatever I need to do to save the crown. You're delusional. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm glad that's over. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring one more thing up though. Sorry. Um, before it said she must do whatever is necessary. Something weird happened. It said something wild and foreign issued a cry within her, shattering through the pain in her head, which is weird. I don't know. I just noted that and I was like, that's interesting. Anyways, mm. I don't know what it means. I do know what it means, but I won't share that. Thoughts of poppies and cages faded away. <laughs> I, I just hope she dies. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then we don't have to read about her again. I guess you're right. You know. Mm, okay. Um, all right. So next part of the chapter, really sad. We can just, I don't know if there's a lot to say, mm-hmm. um, but Selena's in her rooms reading on word marks and Nehemia comes in crying and reveals that um, a group of Adderland soldiers massacred 500 of her people on their way to one of the slave camps. Yeah, which is like the equivalent of Endovier, but in the South. Yes, yep. Yeah. Um, and that includes like women and children, not just the men. Um, there was like a small... F- few, I guess, who were trying to rebel and um, overpower the guards or the soldiers. And so they killed everybody to punish that. So the chapter ends with Selena holding Nehemia and comforting her. Yeah. 
because that's her people. And she says, where is it? Um, it says, what is, Nehemia says this. She says, what is the point if, in being a princess of Ilway if I cannot help my people? How can I call myself their princess when such things happen? So she's like feeling despair and hopelessness basically in her position, which is really sad. And Selena is just there to comfort her. Yeah, it is really sad. But I feel like in the larger context of things, it's kind of just another like political domino to fall. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, because we know just of of what we know of the king mm-hmm. um, who hasn't featured really at all since the beginning of the book. Yeah. Um, except for coming up in other people's conversations a couple times. Like mm-hmm. he's gone off to do who knows what. Mm-hmm. He's super ambitious. He wants to crush these other kingdoms, quell any rebellions, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, this this is just it brings things into perspective again because there's the competition and Selena wants to win the competition. She's being pushed like you need you must win. Mm-hmm. There's an evil within the castle. You must win. Mm-hmm. And then she's like but there's also evil out there mm-hmm. that she knows all too well. Right. Um so yeah, it's just kind of a sad spot to yeah. be in. It's hard. Yeah. Um, So that brings us to 34, and it's pretty simple Um, summary. Just said, I had Selena's late night visits continue. (laughs) Uh, People, I guess, only want to see her in the middle of the night. They sure do. Yeah. Yeah, man. (laughs) I don't know. What's your title? Yeah, I titled this Resignation. Mm. Because of... Because of a line in in the chapter, at the end of the chapter. Okay. And that was just, it stood out to me like, hmm. Yeah. What is, yeah, we can get to it when we get to it. Okay. All right. So chapter 34 is opening up later after Nehemia left Selena's rooms um, and Selena is in pain. Um, she's got some cramps going on, so she's has her period. Yeah, which is great and relatable for a girl. Sure. It also talks about how that it's has been gone. She's been so mm-hmm. deprived uh, in terms of nourishment, right? And just her own health routine and mm-hmm. normalcy. She hasn't had her monthly cycles, and now they're coming back up. And she's yeah. even having to realize, like, oh. This is what's happening. Right. So um, she's in bed, not feeling great. Philippa comes and gives her um, like a tea that should help her cramping. Um, And then I just thought it was interesting. Philippa like mentions to her like what a pity about the Eelway rebels. Um, And it's like, Mm -hmm. are they allowed to have pity for rebels in Adderlin? Mm. Like, is she, by saying that as a servant, is Philippa like 
treasonous. Yeah, like putting herself at risk at all. Sure. I don't know. It's it, just no, that is an interesting question because we don't know the political flexibility or censorious environment yeah. they live in. We don't know. Right. You would think in the presence of the king, it would be pretty much don't say cut that. off your hands. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? But I don't know. As far as Rift, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know is that everything's around Dorian's assignment of choosing Selena, the timing, him going all the way to Endovier, mm-hmm. doing the whole escort back, having her live in the stone castle, mm-hmm. um, assigning her guards, assigning Philippa. It, to me, it doesn't seem like any of that was by accident. Yeah. Um, so Philippa having a little bit of empathy in the moment, even if it is like absent minded and she should keep her mouth shut. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem out of character for me. I for got, Philippa to do Yeah. That? I got no. like a very like Mrs. Potts going and seeing Belle after yeah. everything she vibes. Is like that. I'm going to go to the room and I'm just going to, it's okay. You want a spot of tea? Yeah. Like <laughs> type of moment. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, And then she, she acknowledges that Selena or Nehemia is lucky to have Selena as a friend um, to comfort her. So, and she knows about Selena. Phil- yes, yeah. Philippa knows that it's Selena Sardothian. She knows her identity, so she understands the duality that right. that she's been having to keep up for mm-hmm. now weeks. Right. Um, and so Philippa ends up leaving. And then who's to come now but Kale. And Kale comes in and is pacing. He's like, I heard about Nehemia. I heard about all this stuff. And it says, and Selena is trying to like hint to him about her condition. Like she's sick because she's on her period. And... Not only is she just like on her period, but she has like very terrible symptoms, which is not necessarily common for all women. Like I have some symptoms, but not Mm -hmm. to that extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, but Kale is like totally being dense about it. Yeah, well, I think there's like some good like clever levity in this section because... In irony, I'm truly feeling unwell. Yeah. Kale. And he's like, I know this makes me sick. Yeah. Can you believe what they did? Which and is she's like, like, no, I feel just really bad. And he's like, yeah, you know, I know that sometimes I'm <laughs> aloof with you, but really I want to be serious. And like, yeah. it's just like, yeah, dude, you're, you're not getting it. But what he's saying is important. Oh yeah. That's why I think it's a clever section. Yeah. Like he is admitting that what was done to these rebels was wrong and he feels sick about it and he doesn't feel good, even though they're rebels to the country that he is captain of the guard for. So another like piece of internal turmoil for Kale. Um, but yeah, like in between Selena is like given big hints, like bro, I am not in a good spot. Mm-hmm. But I think, I also think like to your point, when you said what he's saying is important, Yeah, I had just in my notes that this was suspected, Mm -hmm. but now 
realized is this growth in Kale. Like yeah. It's been kind of building and been hinted at, but mm-hmm. then he's verbalizing feelings and, and, and such. And I think it actually shows the growth here. Mm-hmm. And he says, I know that sometimes I'm aloof with you and I know you complain about it to Dorian, but I think it's a good thing that you've befriended the princess and I appreciate your honesty mm-hmm. and unwavering friendship with her. I know there are rumors about Nehemiah's connection to these rebels in Ilwe, but um, I'd like to think that if my country was conquered, I wouldn't stop at anything or I would stop at nothing to win back my people's freedom too. Yeah. Like there is, there is growth in that for his character mm-hmm. because he loves to see things as just black and white. You're an assassin. What yeah. do you know? You're an assassin. You've got bad character, but it's like, he's, he's actually fleshing out some of the things he's been wrestling with in the past chapters. And I think personally, there was in our maybe our very first show where we were talking about their journey from Indovier. Mm-hmm. They had a stop in Oakwald Forest, mm-hmm. like Brandon's Forest, mm-hmm. and he has some really, um, like this high sense of intrigue when mm-hmm. they're in the forest and about like where you're from. You know, he knows yeah. she's from Terrace, and he's like, "You've been in the library, like all." He's just like really interested, and so I think this happens, and. And so I think it fits his character and hasn't come up in a while, but I think it fits his character that he is sympathetic to the things outside of Adderlin yeah. and outside of Rifthold. That's my take. But he I, doesn't like really want to admit it, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either because he also knows his that position. it's his position. He's mm-hmm. captain of the guard. He's supposed to be loyal. He's supposed to be close to Dorian. He's supposed to keep Dorian out of trouble because mm-hmm. he's loyal to him. He has this history that I don't know if we'll ever figure out with basically kind of being disowned because he, he kind of left home to be in the capital with, with Dorian Mm -hmm. and he's got a younger brother Mm -hmm. and maybe now he's the heir and, but he was like kind of nobility like in, in some form or fashion. So I just, I think there's a lot more going on with Kale, but I only, again, I only know what, what we know from this book. But I think this is a little bit of growth towards what I believe we'll come to see. It's good. That's just me, guys. <laughs> I haven't read two or three or any of them. Oh, Maybe gosh. he dies in the second book. I, I think don't know. that his journey is a roller coaster. That's what I'm going to say. That's fine. Yeah. That's, cool. That's fine. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Um, I got, uh, can I share something that I saw on social media about Kale? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to get offended. I'm sure many people have heard this, but um, that they compared kale to a loaf of white bread. Being, <laughs> okay. But. There's a lot of great things to say about a loaf of white bread. Yeah. So all I knew those people can just that. step off. I know. Like we literally put bread in everything (laughs) like literally bread is like the basis of everything yeah you're right sandwiches and toast and our appetizer i mean heck even mexican foods like wrap it in bread yeah it's everything is what are you talking about like what i know it's your problem i know i love that you're defending him it's good i don't necessarily agree with them um fully but i do yeah 
I just thought yeah. I would get a rise out of you. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I just really <laughs> don't understand why people would say that. I I think. He, and, and, and be it's so short-sighted. It's like, yeah. man, if you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you need the bread. Yeah. You're just going to squirt jam into your mouth? I like think... you're an idiot. Yeah, but like I you're think... you're just going to go spoonfuls of peanut butter? Okay, Some people are weird and excessive but I like think that, that, but you need the bread. I understand that. So I Selena think their can be point, the jam, though, but you've got to have the bread to I make think the magic. their point, though, is they're not. you're not just going to go eat a slice of yeah, bread you can. by your, by itself. Like $1 <laughs> bag at, at HEB is probably the best value in like the but United States. But they're talking States. about like white bread. That is white bread. It's a literally, a literal <laughs> white loaf of, like it's a baguette. It's white bread. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, they may be right, but also as wrong as you can be. You're, yeah. Thank you. God. <laughs> I love you. Okay. Um, where are we? Oh, so Kale's continuing to be dense about how she's actually not feeling good. Selena is starting to feel like nauseous and Kale's going on. He's like trying to ask her some kind of question and then she vomits all over her room. (laughs) And he's like, again, clever writing. Yeah. Because you're leading into this important question. Mm-hmm. Well, or what you suspect right. is an important question. It's like cut scene. Yeah. Something else happens. Somebody else busts through the yeah, door. Classic. You throw up on the floor. Yeah. There's always that sort of a thing. Yep. Um, and then he like at that point identifies, oh, you're actually sick. Okay. <laughs> And he's like, let's get you to bed. Are you okay? And Selena has to literally spell it out for him. Like, I'm on my period. And it's just so funny. I'm going to read this. It says he his face suddenly matched hers. And he stepped away, dragging a hand through his short brown hair. I, if, then I'll take my leave. He stammered and bowed. Selena raised an eyebrow, then despite herself, smiled as he left the room quickly as his feet could go without running, tripping slightly in the doorway as he staggered into the rooms beyond. (laughs) And I'm like, why are you running away from someone on her period? That is just so silly. Yeah, maybe inexperienced. I guess it must be. And he's, I think he's also, that fits the character. Yeah, he's he, so he, like proud and honorable. Because he goes from like honorable. wanting to help you. He's like, can I get you? You're really sick. Can, what yeah. can I do? Let's get you to bed. But he's like, oh, wait, it's this. That's a like, lady I, thing. I need, to, <laughs> I need to give you your space. I think if it's the character. I don't know. I guess. I just think it's so silly. But I mean, Selena is also very embarrassed about it. I don't know. I'm just like, that's a natural way of life so why are we yeah, embarrassed but she about her eyebrow and smiles at him and she's thinking he's so cute oh i guess what a guy look at that brown <laughs> hair <Shut up>. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh anyways so then the the servants come to clean up her puke um which is like this is literally the middle of the night so how many people are up right now serving her it's crazy mm-hmm. anyways uh, and then Dorian comes in, which is like, okay. Yeah. So he ran into Kale. Kale identified that the state that she's in and Dorian came anyway. 
So he, I guess that does like attest Dorian is much more experienced with women and Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And Dorian wants to play games, literally like card games with her. And Selena's like, no, can you please leave? I literally just need you to go away. And um, they kind of banter back and forth. And what? What else happens? Not much. It's just great banter. I know. I can't. That's why I'm like, I can't like go back without reading everything. How terrible she feels, even though she's probably being like, yes, I feel bad. Yeah. She's I'm in absolute agony. Yeah. I'd be honored if you'd leave. Like, yeah, there's banter. And he's like, you're fine. Yeah. Let's play. What's wrong with you? Like, and then, it's just good banter. Yeah, I know. I, I, I did write that. Like, it's delightful banter. And it really is. But it's hard to summarize without sounding choppy and weird. Anyways, just read it. 257. Everybody go back to that and read it. It's good. Yeah. Um, good. I had a, a comment like, it, oh. it, there is a point in there where it almost seems, I don't know what the equivalent is in a book, mm-hmm. but like when you're watching a show mm-hmm. and they break the fourth wall of like looking at the camera oh, yeah. and like saying something. Sure. Um, which that happens, it happens in a, in a good number of shows, but like mm-hmm. I know it happens a lot cleverly in persuasion. Uh huh. Um, but there is some like part of this banter where I'm like, it almost feels like they're breaking the fourth wall of yeah. this book. Yeah. And they're just like so on the nose about it's good. Telling the reader things. Yeah. But anyways. It's really good. Um, and then ultimately the conversation ends up with books and he picks up a book that is wherever it is, called Sunset's Passions. And it's basically smut and he starts reading it and gets embarrassed and Selena ends up tricking him into taking it with him to like read himself because he's, she's like, you know, you're just like Kale. Kale wouldn't read it either. And he's like, kind of takes that challenge and picks it up to read, which I just think is really funny. Um... And then we switch point of views to Dorian being transfixed by her. Um, And we kind of circle back to the topic of the massacre. And he um, goes, I don't know, into this monologue about how he doesn't like the world the way that it is. And, um, it shouldn't be like this. Life shouldn't be like this, et cetera. Um, and so, I don't know, you just get the sense that literally everybody in Adderland, and I know we're not seeing everybody in Adderland. We've seen four or five different characters after this, the news of this massacre has come up, but nobody is happy about it. Um, so we would get the sense that the majority of other citizens as well would not be okay with that happening. So is that a sign that there's more rebellion to come because of the massacre or like would it silence people 
What do you think? Yeah, I guess that's the right, the risk that you run in. I guess in that situation, there has to be a commanding officer, you know, making the final call about what do we do with the people that tried to run away? Mm-hmm. What do we do with the rest? And they end up killing all of them. And so those orders came from somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And so you do, wh- whoever is making that call does have to have some calculus going on with, yeah. does this quell things or does it stoke things up more, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think in this situation, I mean, we'll have to just see. I, mm-hmm. I, we will have to just see, but I kind of think about, you know, in the Hunger Games with the different districts. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when the capital would like do something, they were always attempting to just let, let's get a wrap on this. Let's mm-hmm. shut it down. Let's shut it down. Let's yeah. shut it down. But if it spreads, they knew like, oh, that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah. If, if a thought of a rebellion spreads. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, um, when he's kind of like finishing up his monologue, Selena like tells him, I don't hate you. And I don't think you're like them. Um, Anyways, and then it kind of just shifts, like, into a different topic that's you will miss soon. Um, And he's like, I wish you could come to the ball with me. And she's like, why can't I go? I love parties. Um, But she can't go because she's an assassin. And then he's like, I've got to leave. I have meetings tomorrow and I'm not... Yeah, and I I do just want to push back a little bit. Okay. I think... That's the cover of why she can't go. Yeah. You know, that's just the easy answer at this point. Because Kale knows she's not a threat to him or Dorian. Yeah. Or Nehemia. Yeah. Or by extension, really the queen. Right. The king is not around. And Uh, those are really the only people that matter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's just the easy answer. I actually think that it's a little bit more of like protection of her at this point. Okay. I can see and, that. And they're telling her it's because like, of you, can't you go, but it's like, we actually want you safe. I, th- I, that's just the read that I'm getting mm-hmm. at this point of it. Sure. Whereas maybe at the beginning it was more about like, we can't have this, we can't have this unknown, right? She's, she's yeah. a tender box. This is not, not good. Mm-hmm. Now I think they understand who more or less who she is. And I think it's more about protecting her, her identity, not doing the whole cover up of who she actually is piece. Mm -hmm. And it's tough to cover this part of the chapter just in long form conversation because so much of this is conversation. Yeah. I think this is really important dialogue between the two of them. They, yes, they have their classic banter, Mm -hmm. which shows they're comfortable around one another. Yeah. And that's important as far as their match is concerned. Mm-hmm. But then they also have the ability to like go deep 
with him talking about like, man, we have this history. You must hate me mm-hmm. and my family and what we've done. Mm-hmm. And she's able to be vulnerable and come through that and say, it's, but it's not you. Like yeah. you've shown me something else. Right. Um, other than what may, may traditionally be thought of as the crown and yeah. pavilions and everything. And like, there's even a, a, a mental note that she makes in it. And it just says like, he seemed remarkably lonely. Yeah. And so she's like seeing him in a different light than I would cut out my heart sooner than loving a Havillard, right? <laughs> like we talked about in the in the previous chapter or two. Yeah. Um and like there are things left unsaid. There are things like that was just a thought. Mm-hmm. She didn't speak it. Right. And then he wants to tell her, like, I would love to invite you. Like mm-hmm. Instead, he's more like, you're lucky you can't go to all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Playing it cool. Like playing it cool. Yeah. I've got, you know, and just kind of pushing off, but there are things left unsaid. And I think it's it's really important to understand, like, mm-hmm. they are not just at the surface level poking and prodding yeah. at each other. Um, and they're, yeah, they're kind of going, going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he makes his way out, but before he does, Mm -hmm. he gives her a little kiss on the cheek. Without thinking. Cute. Yeah. Cute, cute, cute. That was almost the chapter title, Without Thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then it says, pulling away was surprisingly hard. And then they give, like, they say each other's names, which is... Reciprocation. Yeah. Because previously it was like him saying Selena in their previous encounter. Mm-hmm. He was the, it was the first time he had said her name. Yeah. And he was telling her good night. Mm-hmm. And then earlier in the sequence, he's like, it's Dorian, by the way. Like, you need to call me Dorian. Yeah. And so she finally, she does. She says, good night, Dorian. And as he left, he wondered why she suddenly looked so sad. So apparently he looks extremely lonely and she looks really sad. Um, <laughs> and why she'd pronounce his name not with tenderness but with resignation. Oh, yeah. So that really made me, th- I stopped reading right there. I was like, what is she thinking? Yeah. Like what is she resigned about? Resigned to this new reality of that she loves this guy? Or maybe that she really can't love him because he's she, a Havillard. she can't. Even or though that. she like feels something, but she knows she can't go deeper. I don't know. Resignation. Oh, it's good. Um, I don't really know the point of the last part of this chapter. I don't, I don't know. You just don't have anything significant to say? No, I don't. Well, I mean, it's just before she's clocking out and she's trying to yeah. go through her thoughts. She doesn't know what kale was trying to say. She like remembers like, oh man, Kale was like on the verge of asking me something. What was that about? Yeah. And then she knows like the Yulmas ball is coming up and, and because the Yulmas season is upon them, mm-hmm. that means the duel. Yeah, it's coming. The duels are like right around the corner because it's right after that, that the duels are coming. So things are coming to a head. Right. Um. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That was chapter 34. And now 35. 
All right. Summary. Dorian makes an impressive connection and Selena discovers an unsettling truth. Mm-hmm. Chapter 35, The Eye of Elena. Mm, that's good. Okay. Um, 35 opens up with Kale um, on a balcony watching Selena and Dorian walk through the garden. And he's like, I should be down there, but mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have a question for you as, okay. a, as a writer. Okay. And, and as, you know, with your experience in literature and everything. It says the next evening, Kale Westfall stood. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when you hear like a first last name as opposed to Kale, right, where there's uh-huh. kind of an officialness about it. Do you think that's like a tactic to cue the readers for something like serious or that there's about to be some... Using their full name. Yeah, like there's going to be some... Maybe. Dive into their character or something. Because I think that there's like some kind of cue, like when you... Selena Sardothian did this. Yeah, well, typically... I mean, typically at the beginning of a chapter, especially when you have authors who use different POVs, like you're going to... Like instead of just saying he or she, they're going to tell you the name of the character whose point of view you're looking through. Yeah. Unless Um, that's like intentionally not given because you want the reader kind of think, oh, who is Who is is it? Yeah. Yeah. But in regards to like using their full name rather than just part, like their first name. um, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the seriousness with this one makes sense because Kale is kind of like somber in his observance of Selena and Dorian. Maybe he has some resignation too. I was going to use that, but I didn't want to say. Sorry. (laughs) Um, anyways. Um, so he's, he's like, feels a little bit bad about not being down there to like, to protect Dorian. Um, but again, he has this, um, kind of inner turmoil with, who Selena is. It says logic and years of experience screamed at him to be with them. Even though six guards trailed them, she was deceitful, cunning, vicious. And I'm like, is she though? Or is that just your prejudice? Like she has the ability to be, I mean, but that's not who she is at her core. And he knows that Mm -hmm. like, it's just annoying. Yeah. I think that he can't like overcome those thoughts. Yeah. It's just that disposition continuing to rise up in him yeah and maybe maybe his psychology is working against him in that if kale can maintain that selena it mm-hmm. won't hurt not to have feelings for her or to have feelings for her yeah I don't know. Versus, versus if I recognize that she is this different person. So he's like protecting himself. Maybe, that's maybe kind of selfish like, though. Dude, I'm just, I'm talking about psychology here. Oh, that's fine. Maybe, <laughs> maybe psychology major would have a little more appreciation <laughs> for your psychosis. Like you're thinking, you're, you're working to protect yourself. Yeah. And he might be like, it is selfish. I think mm-hmm. I agree, but it might be a mental defensive coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like keep her in the negative box and it won't hurt because I won't like her. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, I am going to like her. And I've got Dorian to deal with. Yeah. Like I'm going to be in a love triangle. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just frustrating as a reader when you're like, yeah. you have these characters who it's like, obviously as a reader, we know you feel one way, but you're telling yourself that you feel this other way. And it's like, you're so stupid. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I am not here to dissent. Yeah. I think that Kale is frustrating in that respect. Yeah. I also think that it is very true to character. And I appreciate yeah. that about Sarah J. Mass writing the character that way. Yeah. Because he is very prideful. Yeah. And he is very dutiful. Like he is supposed to have the answers. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to have had it all figured out. And now he's like, I can't. It's not what I thought. Yeah. And he's having to come to terms with that. Right. So this this POV with Kale is basically him going back and forth with his thoughts on Selena. Um it says, with each day, he felt barriers melting. He let them melt because her genuine laugh, because he caught her one afternoon sleeping with her face in the middle of a book, because he knew she would win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she he, was just a girl sent at 17 to Endovier. Yeah. So, bigger question might make the conversation a little bit longer. There's two things. He does mention that Dorian had been in the middle of courting Rosamond. Okay. This yep. was like a two years ago thing. Mm-hmm. So just I wanted to make mental note of that because I think this has come up before. Yeah. Like his previous affection and that it really hurt. Mm-hmm. And he's 20 or 19 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe she's the reason he's actually not married at this point, which has been brought Because he up. got his heart broken. Yeah, maybe like yeah. legitimately did. So that was one note. And then just the general question, because Kale is dealing with this, is there anything above forgiveness? What do you mean by that? Because he looks at her and sees the one side of him, sees the assassin, the the cunning, you know, vicious mm-hmm. enemy of the state assassin, mm-hmm. right? But then, like, he's got these barriers melting and he's letting them melt. Mm -hmm. And it's like the difference between forgiveness and consequences. Yeah. I think might be something he's struggling with. Yeah. Because I think he realizes the human part of her and, like, that she's a special person. Mm -hmm. And there's part of him that wants to forgive Mm -hmm. and, like, move forward in a relationship with her in whatever capacity that is. Mm Mm-hmm. But as the captain of the guard, he's thinking maybe, and a part of her, like, why is she even alive? Yeah. Like, with what she has done. Yeah. Why weren't the consequences observed? Sure. Like, so just my question is I mean, is there like, was a consequence of her living for a year in a slave camp. Yeah, that's true. I know. I, I'm just playing the ad, the devil's advocate there. Yeah. And just asking the general question, is there anything above forgiveness like I mean, that, that goes beyond, like, that cannot be forgiven. Because I think he's dealing with that, like, her past. Yeah. He can't be forgiven. Her past can't be forgiven. Or can it? Mm-hmm. But there are consequences that are need to be served. Because I think we yeah. deal with that as people as well. Yeah, I just it's think like, it depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, personally, like, I would say... different tolerance for... nothing is above forgiveness. Yeah. But perhaps... Nothing is free of consequence. Well, everything... Consequence has a bad rap and a word. Like, consequence doesn't mean 
something bad happens to you because of something like consequence means what happens as a result of your actions. There can be positive consequences and negative ones. Yeah. I just, I, I believe that a lot, perhaps a lot of society, but a lot of people struggle to dissociate the two. Mm-hmm. Is that you can forgive something, but still recognize yeah. the consequences are what the consequences are. Yeah, and sure. And it doesn't mean I don't forgive you, mm-hmm. but there are consequences. Yeah. And that's tough because if somebody like lets you down, mm-hmm. can you, can you continue the relationship in terms of I'm going to forgive this person, whether it's they cheated on me mm-hmm. or whatever it was, like, yeah. you know, but the consequence is the consequence. I'm going to freeze you out or the consequences, our relationship, it can't make it past that. Yeah. Like, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to move on. But like, what is the degree of yeah. consequence? Well, I feel like that's two different things because forgiveness is a hard thing. Yeah, but that's exactly my point oh, is people okay. struggle to dissociate yes. too. Yeah. Is you could forgive somebody, but Absolutely. it be over. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But in another instance, you could forgive somebody and it and the consequence be served and it's gone now. Right. Like, and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that Kale as a character wrestles with this with right. Selena. Sure. You know. I think it's a a huge sign of immaturity or maturity when you can handle those two things Mm -hmm. well, you know, and we deal with students all the time Mm -hmm. that may take it super personally that you used your authority to punish them. Or like holding them accountable for something. There was an actual consequence Mm -hmm. to something negative because that's all they're going to associate it with. They don't associate all the positive consequences with things. Right. And it's like, no, man, I'm good. We're good if you will let us be good. Yeah. I forgive you. But there was still a consequence. There mm-hmm. was still a referral or there was still a zero or there was still mm-hmm. a, you had to run a horse yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I just, I thought this was, I'm a fan of Kale. And so I thought, <laughs> hey, man, he's wrestling with this. I just like the deeper thing that's well, going on. Well, I appreciate that. I don't think. Many people read deep into Kale. I think he deserves that. So good on you. There's a lot going on with bread. (laughs) That's not appreciated. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Right. So then we have a shift of POV um, and we go. So Kale is like watching them walk. Right. And so we shift to Selena walking with Dorian. Um, and we have a significant time jump. Um, at this point, she mentions that there's only six of the competitors left. Yeah, we've lost six. Which, I mean, that's... Since our last check. Right, which is like chapter, what, 31? Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, significant time jump here. And... That includes like people being murdered, I think, as well as people like losing the different tests. Um, Selena and Dorian, I don't know. They're just like in daily conversation, not anything too deep, I don't think. Um, And then Dorian notices her necklace and... 
he notices like, hey, you always wear that. Is that another gift? Kind of hinting towards the ring that Kale had given her. I don't think that Dorian actually knows that Kale gave her the ring, like that it was from him. Yeah, that's correct. And I don't he, does, think so. he does not know. But she, yeah, she was like kind of defensive about that in the beginning. Right. About like, it's not it's any mine. of your business yeah. <laughs> who gave that to me. Insufferable. Yeah. Insecure Uh, man or whatever she calls him. Yeah. Um, Yes. So then he mentions like, well, look, your necklace looks very old. And um, he kind of teases her. Have you been robbing the royal coffer? And she's like, no. And she's like pretty sharp about it. She doesn't really want to talk about her necklace, obviously, because it's the one that Elena gave her, that amulet to protect her. And then um, it's interesting. He randomly, seemingly randomly, brings up Gavin. Um, It says, he says, when I was a boy, I used to read tales about the dawn of Adderland. Gavin was my hero. I must have read every legend regarding the war with Erwin. And Selena's like thinking to herself, how can he be that smart that he already figured this out? And then he goes into this kind of like historical like story about Elena and Gavin. And Mm -hmm. can I just read it? Is that okay? Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, it says Elena, first queen of Adderland, had a magical amulet. In the battle with the Dark Lord, Gavin and Elena found themselves defenseless against him. He was about to kill the princess when a spirit appeared and gave her the necklace. And when she put it on, Erwin couldn't harm her. She saw the Dark Lord for what he was and called him by his true name. It surprised him so much that he became distracted and Gavin slew him. Dorian looked to the ground. They called her necklace the Eye of Elena. It's been lost for centuries. And so, like, honestly, like, without even knowing, he hits that nail right on the head. Like, that is the eye of Elena, that Elena herself gifted to Selena to protect her in the midst of the evil, whatever is going on in the castle. Mm -hmm. Because she already knew, according to this story, that it would protect against evil because it protected her against Erwin. So... Is just really interesting that Dorian brings that up, right? Um, and he's like, I've seen pictures of that necklace and yours looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And Selena kind of plays it off like, I would think that that would be dust by now. Like, and he's like, perhaps you're right. Maybe it's just a replica. Um, even though obviously it's not, mm-hmm. it's the real thing. So... Yep. Anything to this add? Is, this is where I'm like going back to the very first episodes and like speculation yeah. of things because I am a very big world type of thinker. Mm-hmm. Like where is the author going? What kind of story are they telling here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you get this monologue about the history yeah. and it's just kind of exposing what this world is like or whatever i'm like okay the author is telling you about the history for a reason because it's repeating itself or it's it's coming back to something important now Mm -hmm. Um, and this is true in other fantasies 
right? It's true in the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. or in or just fill in the blank. We have this, time. This happens, yeah. right? And so when he's talking about Gavin is, was my hero, he was the first king of Adderland. And we've already determined that he was married to Elena, mm-hmm. who was the princess of Faye. Terrison. Right. She mm-hmm. was, yeah, she was Terrison and of Faye descent. Mm-hmm. And like Brandon's daughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now, again, I am only at the end of book one. Th- this does, I, this is not spoiler or anything. This is speculation because I don't know. But I, I just, I'm like, dude, this is full circle. This is a Terrison girl, like, born. She's got to have some kind of histor- history. She was born in Orent, the capital of Terrison, and he's falling in love with this girl, and it's supposed to be, like, forbidden. It's, mm-hmm. like, forbidden love, and it's, like, all tropey. Mm-hmm. We love it because we just want it <laughs> and everything, but it's the Dark Lord reformed, and it's yeah. the princess forgotten, and it's, I'm telling you. Like, that's just where I'm at with all this stuff. Sure. And I'm like, it's a Havillard, and it's whatever Elena, what's her last name? I forget Elena's last name. Galathinius? Yeah, whatever. Or something. But anyways, I'm like trying to play connect the dots here with the full circle game. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yep, the world's going to keep getting bigger, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But I think it's also going to keep getting smaller Mm -hmm. because... It's history is repeating mm. and there's going to be an existential threat and it's coming and something's going to happen. Mm. Wow. Thank you for those. Yeah. And they, they both thoughts. have like these very rich blue sapphire like eyes. And I know she's got the ring of gold in them, but Selena it kind of, ma- yeah. yeah, but it also matches like the blue amethyst kind of. Yeah. I don't know what blue like is in. The, but Elena, I'm just saying but like yeah. the whole, like yes. Symbolism of eyes mm-hmm. is very mm-hmm. rich mm-hmm. in this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it talks about when she wore it, she could see the Dark Lord for what he really was mm-hmm. and was able to call him by name. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that whole thing with eyes and being able to see and reveal. It's like, yeah, something's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Um, well, they kind of wrap up or I don't know if they wrap up their conversation, but the, the POV wraps up, um, with Selena wondering what Elena's motives were because like she, as an Elena would have to have known that someone would recognize the necklace. Um, so what were her motives really for giving that to Selena? Um, so then later that night, Selena is again in her bed, um, reading a book and wondering to herself about what's going on, um, and kind of resigns herself to the fact that she should probably figure out what's going on because it would benefit her, right? It says it wasn't like she wasn't fulfilling Elena's command to win. She would have fought this hard to become King's champion and as for finding and defeating the evil in the castle, well, now it seemed tied to what was murdering the champions. So how she could, could she not try to figure out where it was coming from? So she is kind of like convincing herself why she should dig a little bit deeper into the second part of Elena's call 
to like find the evil. Um, anyway, so then Selena gets spooked because there was a door that got shut in her rooms and she drops her book, but it ended up being Philippa. So then when she went, she got on the ground to get her book, which had fallen under the bed. Um, she sees that something was written on the ground in chalk. She moves her bed and there's this like huge spiral full of word marks. Um, drawn all under her bed and she notices that there's one word mark in the center specifically that catches her eye one that she recognizes as a word mark that was at the crime scene with Varen um that was like drawn next to his body and so obviously she's like freaked out because she doesn't know why those are there or anything. She just associates right now the word marks with the murders and them being negative. And so she like washes them all away um, and ends up heading to the library. Do you have anything to add before we move on? Yeah, I just, do you think, we, we don't know a lot about the meaning of the word marks specifically. Right. In terms of meaning, we know that they mean something. Mm -hmm. and they're showing up in important places at these murders. They're now under her bed. They're outside the clock tower. Yeah. They're a historical, like, language of sorts. They were connected with a religion or quasi-religion or something. Yeah, with, Those like, are, the word a, gates Yeah, and that's everything. what we know. People yeah. say, by the word. Like, they, they are... Like a god a of thing. some kind. Yeah. yeah. But we don't know specifically, like, their meaning. So, Mike... You know a lot more than I do, but like when I'm reading this, I'm like, man, is this like, is this a kill sign? Is it a draw spot for like this evil? Uh -huh. You know, somebody was trying to get her and like mark that spot, or was it more of a? Could they be protective as well? Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know. Like, yeah, did Elena put it there? Yeah, is like she, where because, did they actually come she, from? Yeah, she has this thing where she like pops up and she's like fully formed. Right. But she's not like there. Mm -hmm. But she can interact with the physical because she like has given her a necklace. Yeah, and, like, she did touch Elaine yeah, or Selena. it's like kind of yeah. weird. So just as a reader, mm -hmm. that's what's in my mind. I don't know where, where other people that are first readers are at. Um, but yeah, that's all I wanted to add. Yeah. Was like I, I don't know if it's a protective thing, mm -hmm. if it's if it's a kill sign, a, like a target. Could it be either or, depending on what marks are given? Because mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like I think of runes, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know in terms of like fantasy that you've read, like how much runes come into play. Um, but like play, uh, quite a lot actually. Yeah, like yeah. like runic language and what they can mean and how mm -hmm. they're connected with like magic or beliefs or mm -hmm. um, powers. Um, you know, in different video games that I've played, like runes come into play. Yeah. But anyways, I kind of get that vibe. Right. From them. Um, so yeah, anyways, that's all I got. So she goes to the library cause she can't sleep. Yeah. Can yeah. So, and again, this is like in the middle of the night, which come on girl, like the murders are happening in the middle of the night. That's not really a good idea in my opinion. But she goes to where she knows the wordmark books are. 
Um, and she finds Nehemia sitting at a desk and surprised to see Selena there. And Nehemia demands what she's doing there. And Selena's like, I couldn't sleep. And she asks what she's reading. And Nehemia's like, nothing. And she notices the book is like this like ancient tome, pretty thick and written in the common tongue, right? And so Selena's putting two and two together. Like you don't have like you're not advanced enough in our language to be able to read that. And Nehemia is like, if you believe that, then you're like every ignorant fool in this castle, Lillian. And she says that it says with perfect pronunciation in the common ten. So that tells us as the reader that Nehemia has been, has not been honest with like how she actually, or how much she knows about the common tongue, their like their language, and um, has been deceitful in that. Um, and Selena kind of takes her, like takes it like as offensive, obviously. Mm-hmm. One, and she should like yeah. This is uh, this catches you off your guard. Yeah, I agree. Because this doesn't feel in character with Nehemia. Yes, no, and it doesn't feel in character for her. She's standoffish. She's cold. She's essentially lying. Yeah. In revealing this tone of voice and her fluency, her Mm -hmm. ability to read and things like that, that she's also put up a guise for everyone. Right. And she calls her Lillian in like a sarcastic tone Mm -hmm. as if like, you're not being honest with me either. And I kind of called you out on it the other day and you didn't give me anything. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that all my people died. Mm -hmm. So it feels out of character for her. But I think as a writer, it, you're also like trying to show like Nehemiah's had it as well. Mm -hmm. Like she goes from crying with Selena, it almost inconsolable yeah. So now she's like past that and just pissed. Like, yeah. Screw this. I'm about to burn the world down. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily directed at Selena. Just like yeah. the Selena just got in her way in this moment type of thing. Um, but Selena does take it, I think, personally, right? Because Nehemia has been a friend to her. Um, and there was a piece of paper that um, had fallen when Nehemia got, got up and Selena went over to look at it and there was a word mark on it. And so now Selena's like, again, associating word marks with the negative of all of these murders and everything going on. So in the back of her mind, she's like, wait a second, like... Nehemia continued to tell me, like, don't look into word marks, just forget about them, blah, blah, blah. But she actually does know more, not only about like the common tongue and how to speak their language, but also about word marks. And so now she's associating like, so is Nehemia involved in these murders somehow? 
Um, and she like doesn't really want to believe it. I don't think. Um, but she also identifies like, actually, this is a pretty good place for her to be Mm -hmm. because she wanted to disrupt everything. Right. If she wanted to get back at Adderlin, like where better to unleash this monster and like kill all of these other like criminals in the castle where nobody would really bat an eye about it. Um, but then she like questions, well, why would she plot against me though? So anyways, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with Selena's like jumping to conclusions type of thing. Well, things happen fast. Yeah. These people died. She gets sad. Naomi apparently gets mad. This is happening in the middle of the night. They're in a library. Mm -hmm. It disturbs both of them because they didn't expect each other. I just think this is an emotional wreck. Yeah. That's what, what I don't put a lot of stock in this. Sure. I think it's just an emotional car crash. Yeah. Um, and they need to have a DTR moment to kind of clarify what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think especially Nehemiah is just traumatized. Yeah. So I think she's facing some trauma. Yeah. Um, and you don't necessarily act yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, when responding to trauma. Yeah. Sure. Yep. There you go. And Do that's you have- not and that's also not to justify Selena's response back. Right. Where she's like, oh wait, maybe she, maybe she's actually the problem. Maybe she's the enemy. Yeah. But she has to think like that. Sure she does. She's been thinking about like the angles and escapes and all that stuff from the very first chapter. Yeah. So she at in her role and in her person she has to think that way of people and their motives and mm-hmm. all of it. So sure. Yeah. yeah. Anything else on chapter 35? Nope. Nope. Okay. Chapter 36. This is our last chapter. I mean, hold on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> what she so she picks up the word mark, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. From the piece of paper. I mean yeah, what is, are they studying similar stuff? Yeah. Is also something that I'm thinking about. Like, mm-hmm. what is Nehemiah trying to get at? Yeah. If if she's, if she, she's been so standoffish about the word mark stuff, and you said that, but like, what is she specifically researching? Is mm-hmm. she trying to be the crime scene investigator and the, the private eye and mm-hmm. uncrack the code to these murders and this violence and stuff? Yeah. You know, because she's, She's obviously got old ancient history book that's like, nope, not reading anything. Mm-hmm. And it's got word marks from it, whatever, because of piece of paper. Or is she the the mastermind diabolical, like, ones using these word marks to kill people? It's like, yeah, what is she researching? Yeah. Um, anyways, now I can let chapter 35 rest. Okay. <laughs> Great. All right. Chapter 36. Again, this is our last chapter of the episode. Um... You'll miss morning brings presents and Selena plans to crash a party. There you go. What's your title? Do you know that, that song 
a bit of personal trivia for you. Okay. That song that always comes around during Christmas, you'll miss Christmas. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why is this a Christmas song? Me saying that? Mm-hmm. Um, that one from Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Yeah. Raindrops on roses and blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. I don't understand. It's not a Christmas song. Right. But go ahead. These are a few of my favorite things. Oh, that's title cute. For chapter 36. Yeah. That's cute. It's you'll miss. You'll miss morning. Um, Selena wakes up and it's snowy outside and it's like this perfect, peaceful winter morning. And she turns over and her face um, is met with a bag of candy. Her favorite thing, which is so cute. Someone had given her candy for Yule Miss, and she decides that immediately after waking up, she just wants to eat half of it. <laughs> and so it goes through, and she's just eating candy, and she's delighted. Um, and she's trying to figure out who it might be. Definitely not Nehemia or Kale, but maybe Dorian. Maybe it's Knox. And then Philippa comes in, and her and Selena have this like I think really delightful conversation I really enjoyed reading this back and forth between them and I know you like had mentioned Mrs. Potts right and the relationship that her and Belle have whatever just like this nice protective type of thing um I don't know I just like going back and forth Philippa is kind of like onto her about eating candy in the middle of her bed in the morning. Um, She's like, your teeth are red. My grandson eats candy better than you do. Um, You're going to get sick from all of that candy. She says you look like a demon. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. It's just, I don't know. It's cute. And I think their relationship is really showing through here. Yeah, it's like a genuine... Yeah, and I think, I mean, Philippa is one of the very few people in the castle who knows who Selena is and, like, still likes her and, like, has that type of relationship with her. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure Selena's, like, appreciative of that. Anyways, um, and, yeah, there's a ceremony for Yule Miss that they're going to be getting ready for. Um, And then Dorian comes in. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to add before we go on? Yeah, it was just at the top of the chapter. Okay. I I don't know if you mentioned it, but there was one more competitor sent home. Okay. Yeah, and there are five remaining. That's right. It's just a little bit of a time check. It says that the test is three days away. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the final test is three days away. You're like, okay, there's supposed to be these duels. Somebody else has to go home then. Yeah. In the next three days, there has to be another test or something has to happen. You're just putting that together because they're supposed to have the top four in the duels. Right. And there are five of them remaining. Yep. So, yeah, that's all I got for that. Thanks for that. Um, So now Dorian comes in and he was the one who gave her the candy so sweet. And he, they again go back like. Spicy. A, a spicy oy, oy. little bit. 
she's like, are you my present or is there something in that basket at your feet? And he's like, I, if you'd like to unwrap me, we still have some time before temple. Oh, <laughs> you say how you really feel. Oh gosh. And she loves it. Um, and then, yeah, so he gave her the candy and he kind of reprimands her as well. Like I sent you three pounds of candy and there's half of a bag left. So really, <laughs> she's like, who doesn't like candy? Um, anyways, but he brought her a puppy. Um, he couldn't, sure <laughs> he couldn't find a, a house or, um, a family for the other, the Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, I do. Okay. I mean, he says that. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's true. I mean... He could have thought like, you know what, screw it. She I'm not really gonna might find like a dog. Family. I'm going to give Selena this puppy. I don't know. I just don't think I that makes... I think it would be more sweet r- if that was the case than, oh man, I try to find this dog a house, but yeah, you're going to get it. Yeah. Anyways. I don't know. I don't think logically it makes much sense for him to give her a dog. And he like identifies that as well. Like, eh, that was pretty stupid actually. Um... Because of who she is and what she's doing, whatever. But she ends up accepting it and says, well, you have to train it while I'm training. I want her to be training as well in the kennels. And she has this like long list of demands of things that she wants it to be able to do. And Dorian's like, oh, I should have got you jewelry. <laughs> um, yeah. And then she just has this like mindset that he's kind and he has a conscience and a heart and she's, he's different from the others. And while she's going through all of that, she goes and kisses him on the cheek and yeah, it's real cute as a thank <laughs> as a thank you for um her present and i think also just like a thank you for being who he is um but he it made her him blush and he's going to temple and he says i'll see you after the ball i'll make sure to come by and try to get out early and when she, um, when he says that and leaves, Selena gets into this like mindset, like, oh, who's going to be at the ball and identifying Nahimi is going to be at the ball. And then she, I think, dives into her own like assassin mentality, like thinking like an assassin would, like if I wanted to hurt somebody or take a stab at the Adderland people because they just killed 500 of my people. Where would I do it? I would do it at this ball where a bunch of important people are being gathered. Correct. Right. And so he, she's like, Nehemia is like, she's now convincing herself that Nehemia is going to make some kind of move at the ball and potentially has to do with this like monster that had been killing all of the competitors and she doesn't want Dorian or Kale to like get in the middle of it. And so she resigns herself to 
crashing the ball. Um, even though she knows that Kale will be really mad, he'll get over it and she can handle his anger. So, yeah. Yep. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Um, a couple of things because it might connect to her history. Um, when when she is thinking about the potential of a bust up at this ball, mm-hmm. um, she just kind of like in her monologue is thinking about, you know, she doesn't want to be thinking, yeah, like bad thoughts about Nehemia and projecting that onto her. Mm-hmm. But she'd seen friends do terrible things before, and it had become safer for her to believe the worst. Mm-hmm. She'd seen firsthand how far a need for revenge could drive someone. So I don't know if that's some details from her past that we just don't know yet. Yeah. If it involves the assassins, you know, who betrayed her, anything like that. But she's like, she doesn't want to be thinking this about Nehemia, but has mm-hmm. seen it. So I'm just curious, like, are we going to get to hear yeah. More of that mm-hmm. story. Um, because we haven't heard the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. And, and we know also she had somebody she really cared about, if not like romantically loved, who died. Right. Right before right. she was discovered. Um, so anyways. Yeah. I, I, I'm just curious. Curious. Just curious. I have answers, but can't give them to you. Sorry. Um, yeah. The chapter ends with Kale and her walking to the service. Yep. So So that's it. We'll get to see what happens in episode number eight. Yeah. We'll open up with what's going on with Yulma's Yulma's service. Yeah. If anything happens at this ball. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next episode, we're going to be looking into chapters 37 through 40. So, a little bit shorter. <laughs> yeah, we'll manage. Yeah. We'll go two hours. I know. Every time I, like, for example, um, bringing up the time of our podcasts. Sorry they're so long, but not actually. Um, I was in Chrissy's room and she like brought up the podcast and some of her students were students that I had previously. And they're like, you have a podcast. And we started talking about it. And um, a couple of them brought it up on their computers and they were like, your episodes are two hours long. <laughs> and I was like, I know. Like, yeah, you're used to 20 seconds. Yeah. Little child. I know. I but was like, we're not, we're not really... I mean, we're recording this for an audience, obviously, people who enjoy Sarah J. Mass and Throne of Glass, whatever. I don't expect, like, every single one of my friends or students to listen in because that's not for everybody. We Mm -hmm. are, like, niche, deep diving into this book. Yeah. Um, It was just funny. And long-form podcast is not for everybody. No. Or they listen in different ways. Yeah. You know, they may sit down and listen to the whole thing or they may just bite-sized chunks right you know whatever so um the length is not 
the driving force here. Yeah. You know, like the evening news has to clock out mm-hmm. and has to get as many advertisements in this many segments or whatever. Yeah. That's that's not how this is operating. No. Um so which is great. I think that's the freedom of it. Yeah. Anyways, if you are and you've made it this far, uh, thank you so much for your support. (laughs) And we're, I mean, obviously if you're listening to episode seven in this, like you are in it and we really appreciate that. Um, and we're glad that there are others out there who want to deep dive into this book like we do. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, We'll have three episodes or now four episodes remaining if we go through episode 11 to finish up. Mm-hmm. the first book, but I am really and truly excited not only to wrap up some of the plot lines in book one, mm-hmm. um, but to start a new book. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. To just crack open a fresh book. Yeah, I really am excited for you. Things that are new. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, it'll be good. Yeah. Yay. And Yeah, and I'll have that much more to read into it now because I, I will have like... <laughs> scraped every little bit of characterization out of this book on a reread uh-huh. and then I'll be you know all my speculations will then be projected onto them in book two and yes all this. And we we'll can look forward to all what, of those what aligns and what doesn't yeah it'll be good awesome well thank you guys again so much for taking this journey with us um, if you do like what you hear please make sure to rate and review um and on social media follow us at book cross lovers we're both on tiktok and instagram admittedly not that great at posting on social media right now um but maybe when our lives are a little less hectic we'll be able to balance that um but anyways we'd love to have you over there and we will see you guys next time mm-hmm.